welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee, the Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest all the way down from hot and humid New Orleans. Courtney Elmer is the founder of The Effortless Life and the creator of Pod Launch. As a sought-after consultant, host, and speaker, Courtney helps entrepreneurs embrace failure and achieve greater income, influence, and impact. With a background in psychology and a personal experience as a cancer survivor, she teaches online business leaders how to build self-sustaining businesses in a rapidly changing digital landscape. Courtney's globally ranked podcast, Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship, has surpassed notable shows on the list of top business podcasts for professionals. She is a respected speaker at industry conferences and sought after by leaders and teams from prestigious publications and organizations. Courtney resides in New Orleans with her husband and miracle baby son. Courtney, welcome to the show. Lance, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. So before we get into exactly what you do, tell us how you got here. Are you from a family of entrepreneurs? Are you the first? Where does that spirit come from? Yeah, no, I love this question. So my dad's an entrepreneur. And I grew up watching him navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And there were some times where it was really hard. And there were some times where it was really good. And I give him total credit, you know, just everything that I have learned about entrepreneurship. He was the one that first passed that on to me from even a very young age. You know, I had these little jars growing up. I had three Mason jars and he's like, all right, any money that you make, you got to put some in here for you. Mm -hmm. You got to put some in here. This is your spending. You got to put some in here and give it away to charity and help other people. You know? So I'm like five years old, like with my $5 bill. Okay, dad. So I turned in my recycled aluminum cans. I got this cash, you know, Uh 30% goes here, 20% right. And he's teaching me and instilling this in me from a very young age. I wish I could tell you that I always have followed his advice. I have not. Uh, and have had, you know, some hard knocks of my own and had to learn some sure. things the hard way. But yeah, he's been an important figure in my life for that. Reason. Beautiful. Thank you. That was a great story. Uh, so when you when you first reach out to us to be on the show, you mentioned there was three areas you think you can help our audience with. And that's why I'm, that's why the primary reason I had you on the show. Uh, plus, you're a podcaster. So easy guest. Um, those three are embracing anti-fragility and leveraging adversity as a hidden opportunity for massive business growth. Second is establishing the system structure and support you need to build a self-sustaining business. And the third one, learning how to create, launch, and leverage a an Apple Top 100 podcast is a powerful tool for lead generation and thought leadership expansion. Would love for you to expand on those. Yeah. So let's start with anti-fragility because really this goes back to my own journey of becoming an entrepreneur. And when I was 25 years old, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And this came totally out of left field. There's no family history. There's nothing in there that would indicate, oh, you might have this when you're in your mid twenties. And it was one of those moments in life where something you didn't see coming, but suddenly you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I've been met with a few of those moments before Hurricane Katrina down here back in 2006. In college, I had some mental health issues, was diagnosed with anorexia, overcame deep clinical depression. And in working through that really began to get to know myself and get to know who I was. So when I got this cancer diagnosis, it was scary, but I also knew that I would be able to grow from it. I knew that this was all happening for a reason. What's interesting about thyroid cancer is that one of the main risks that the surgery carries to have your thyroid removed is that your vocal cords could be severed. Mm. And voice has always been very significant in my life. And it's the reason why I do the work that I do today, helping other entrepreneurs get their message out there, be heard, 
be seen as thought leaders, but not just for their ego, but to truly know that they're making an impact. Mm -hmm. And so the anti-fragility piece really came about rather recently as, you know, the past seven years in, in my own business journey have evolved. I always knew there was a golden thread that, that tied everything together. And what that thread is, is this idea that as entrepreneurs, we can grow through whatever it is that we go through in our business. And that is how we will achieve success. So while a lot of podcasts are out there and a lot of, you see all these marketing people on Instagram and threads now and all these places talking about how to achieve success, what strategies can you implement? What systems can you implement? Yeah, those things are important, but you know, we all know it, it starts with the six inches between your ears. It starts with how you approach the problems that you face. And a lot of people are talking about, here's how to be successful, but very few people are talking about, here's how to navigate the inevitable failure that you will face on your journey as an entrepreneur. And that's what fascinates me. And that's what my podcast is all about. And that's really the greater ethos of our company. And then the very tangible ways that we carry that out and help people become anti-fragile entrepreneurs and build an anti-fragile business that can withstand the test of time in this crazy digital world that we live in. Mm -hmm really are through systems and streamlining and optimization, right? Helping you work, as cliche as this sounds, smarter, not harder, right? That is what most of us get into entrepreneurship for. We want that freedom. We want that flexibility. And then we find out we're working harder than we did at our day job before, you know, we started our business. Sure. Yeah. So helping people streamline that and really focus on what matters. And then on the other hand is getting your message out there, right? And the vehicle we use for that is podcasting, which you know, Lance is so powerful. It's a very powerful platform. It's a very underrated platform. And we help people leverage that to build deeper trust and connection with their community, which we all know as business owners is what drives sales. So what would you say to somebody listening who says, I, I, I can't even remember the, the number off the top of my head, but you know, I, I hear this quite often. Uh, as a podcaster that like, there's too many podcasts. Uh, I don't think there's any space for me in, in this space anymore. What's your, what are your thoughts about that? Well, look at all the other top podcasters out there. Someone like Andrew Huberman, right. Or in the business space, Alex Hormozy, Amy Porterfield, you know, I could throw out names all day. Why are they podcasting? Tim Ferriss. Why they wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't worth their time right? If it wasn't worthwhile for them. And yeah, you could come back at me and say, well, okay, but th they're big, right? They've got big audiences. They've been doing this for years. Of course it's worth their time. Yeah. But they didn't have a big audience like that when they started. Here's what a lot of people don't realize about podcasting is that even though there are almost 3 million shows today, only about 60,000 of them are what we would consider to be actively established meaning that they have released at mm -hmm. least an episode a week or more mm -hmm. for at least a year or more consistently, consecutively, never missed a week, never took a break. They've just been consistently releasing their episodes for at least that time frame. So when you look at, you know, the hundred million users that just signed up for threads, what was that 10 days ago mm -hmm. at the time of this recording, right? Or, you know, 60,000 actively established podcasts, where's the blue ocean? And as business owners, we've got to be really smart about where we're spending our time. And for me, short form content is twice the work than a podcast. You know, people say, oh, it's time consuming and there's too much competition. But at the end of the day, well, what are you doing for your marketing right now? Short form content? Great. Is it working for you? Is it giving you the results that you want? 
Is it bringing you leads? Is it bringing you sales? If it is awesome, don't fix what isn't broken. If not, then doing more of the same thing maybe isn't the smartest marketing strategy. Maybe it's time to take a step back and look at, well, what are some other options available to me? You know, and Tim Ferriss back in, what was it, 2006 when he launched the four-hour work week? Mm -hmm. His number one question that drove his entire book launch strategy was, what's the least crowded channel? And his book became an instant bestseller and it still is. This is what, 16, 17 years later. So we got to be smart about this. Yeah, there are a lot of options to get the word out about your business. But I'm a huge fan of podcasting because for me, it's just the trust that you can build and also the way that you can position yourself as a leader in your space is really powerful. Yeah. So uh, obviously, I think then you and I are in that 2%. I just had to do the math when you were there. 60,000 60, divided by uh, 3 million is 2%. So if you're in that top 2%, I actually think there was somebody sent me the other day. We get a lot of solicitations. You probably do too, since you're a podcaster and you're, you're at that level of uh, like, hey, you're in the top 1.5%. There's actually a little app that you can figure out where you're at within that. Um, so <clears throat> why do you think most people, when they start the podcast then, that they, where does, where does the failure happen? Is it just consistency? Is that the biggest thing that you see? Because you hear the number two of like most, it's just like business. Most businesses fail within the first seven years. Most podcasts fail within their first 50 episodes. Yeah. Actually their first seven episodes. Lance. Oh, interesting. Even Yeah. Seven episodes. And you know, what's crazy is yeah. A lot of people get into it. They think it's going to be as easy as plugging the mic in and hitting record. And gosh, if I could just get the content out there, it's great content. It's highly valuable. People are going to listen. And the reality is there's actually three ingredients that make a top 100 podcast or a top 1% podcast. Mm -hmm. And those three ingredients are first, you need a system in place. We call it a high converting content system, but it's a system that can attract, keep and convert new listeners to your show. Without that, it's kind of like trying to put water in a leaky bucket. I mean, you're just always going to be, you know, running around in circles, trying to fill that bucket. It's never going to get filled. It's never going to work. So we got to plug the holes first. So we got to have a system in place for your content that can speak to the listener that you're looking to attract, help differentiate you from the other shows that are out there that might mm -hmm. be talking about a similar topic or in a similar niche as you, and help you stand out so that your listener knows and, and their choice of shows to listen to that you are the person who can help them. So that's first and foremost. The second piece is a launch strategy. And this is another mistake people make when they start podcasts is they hit record, they hit publish, and they go, great, I have a podcast. And they put a post out it on social media and they mm -hmm. think people are just going to go listen. When the reality is for people like you and I, Lance, we don't have an audience as big as an Amy Porterfield or a Tim Ferriss. You know, yeah, maybe they, if they were launching their podcast today, could get away with, you know, doing that, hitting publish and saying, hey, everybody, I got a podcast, go listen. And they've already got an audience that knows and trusts them. So yeah, they're mm -hmm. going to go listen. But for people like us, our audiences are smaller. A lot of times our audiences are more niche. You know, we might not have the biggest audience in the world and that's okay because you can still hit the top 100 without a huge audience. You don't need millions of followers, but what it does take is some math and a little bit of launch strategy and understanding how downloads impact rankings. You want to be in the charts on Apple every week. And as at the time of this recording, Apple's the only one with charts. So I'm just going to use them for the sake of this example. Because on your phone, if you're looking through Apple Podcasts or on your computer, if you're scrolling the app, on a phone, you're not going to see beyond the top 100 episodes. On a computer, you're not going to see beyond the top 200 in any given category. Mm -hmm. 
But what happens to the other thousands of podcasts that are in that category? They're still there, but how are people going to find you? So whereas the content system is about differentiation, the launch strategy is about discoverability. When you can launch a show, when you can rank, yeah, that gives you a great boost of momentum, a little boost to your ego too. Maybe you're like, oh, this is exciting. But it also gives you a very important benchmark because if you launch and you get a certain number of downloads and you rank, then you know that that's the number of downloads you need to meet each week in order to continue ranking. It's really simple. And then you just make that your goal. And then that moves us into piece number three, which is a long-term audience building strategy. Because it's one thing to be able to attract listeners. It's another thing to be able to get discovered, you know, in the podcasting apps. And it's a totally different thing to be able to maintain that growth long-term. And this is about creating demand, helping people see you as the expert, as the thought leader on a given topic. And so from there, you know, your focus shifts from attracting listeners and getting in the, in the, the rankings and the charts to how can I sustain this growth? And I mean, there's over 20 ways that you could potentially drive traffic. And a lot of people try various ones. They're like, I don't know what's working. I, I don't know if this is all working, you know, this, that, is it the SEO? Is it me going on other podcasts as a guest, right? Is it so, and they're just confused because they're like, I don't know how to do the things that, what, what are the things that drive the traffic? What does drive the downloads? And, you know, the strategy is going to look a little different for everyone, depending on your goals as a podcaster and as a business owner. But by looking at the many options and then narrowing those down to a very targeted, very strategic group of maybe two to four things, then you just implement that and rinse and repeat. And you're able to consistently drive traffic and consistently create demand. And these are the three biggest mistakes that I see podcasters not doing. Yeah, And the reality is you might have the best content on the planet, but if you don't know how to communicate to your listener, why they should spend their time listening, then they'll never discover how great your content is. And it breaks my heart because these people stop podcasting, right? Essentially, it's like going out of business. It's like they shut yeah. it down and it had nothing to do with them or their message or their expertise or any of that stuff that they make it mean when really they just didn't have the right systems in place to make it grow. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Systems are so important. I think that's uh, one of the biggest uh, misconceptions I think people have of systems is that it's constricting. And I think discipline equals freedom. And the system goes with that, with that sort of mantra, right? Um, very interesting. Thank you for that part about the podcast. As, as, a, as a fellow podcaster, I couldn't, agree, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, really, the consistency is there, the messaging is there, but it all has this thread of consistency that you have to do. And uh, I'm interested that, that, that seven, the fact that they only get out seven episodes and then they quit is a new one to me, but I, I believe you, uh, you're, you're the expert on that. Um, how do you help clients? So let's say somebody's listened to the show so far and they were like, you know what, I'm going to get a hold of Courtney, become one of her clients. She sounds like she knows what she's talking about. How do you help those clients maintain their momentum, even when they're on, you know, facing ch challenges and obstacles, which happen every single day to every entrepreneur? You know, I always make the analogy that it's, you're, you're pushing a boulder up a hill every day. That's your yes. job. Yep. Every day, <laughs> every day. And some days that boulder is heavier than others. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing too. So when we're talking specifically about podcasting and let's say, you know, we're helping someone launch their podcast or relaunch a podcast that isn't getting the results that they hoped for, you know, yes, there's the three part framework that we teach everything I just shared with you. We literally walk through in depth, you know, one-on-one -on -one, helping you really align this entire marketing system 
to your specific business and your specific goals and helping you execute those three pillars. But encompassing that is this greater methodology of what we do here as a company, which has, goes back to anti-fragility. Because in our digital world, which moves very quickly, things change fast. And there are a lot of ways to market out there that change quickly too. Look at Facebook ads. Uh, every time I sit down to do an ad, I feel like I have to relearn the whole, the whole uh -huh. thing. I'm like, where do I click and where do, okay, what yeah. is this now? And it just changes, right? And it changes so quickly. And I don't know about you, Lance, but I did not get into business to just market myself all day long, right? I got into business to help people. So when it comes at least to marketing for me, speaking personally, you know, I'm all about doing it smart. I'm about leverage. I'm about using the time you have really well and really strategically, not necessarily doing more, right? It's not about doing more things. It's about doing the right things and doing those things very strategically. So this idea of anti-fragility, you know, is the thing that I always fall back on because it's going to be the thing that, yeah, it helps you stand out, but it's also going to help you and your business withstand the test of time because this world is going to continue to change and you're either going to have to adapt and move with it, or you're going to get left behind. But what does that actually mean for us as entrepreneurs? Does that mean I have to change my marketing strategy every day, right? Or, or, or continually tweak what I'm doing? Yeah, there's tweaks and improvements that have to be done. But, you know, when you really can look at it first as to how you approach things, you know, and that when we start working with clients, that's where we look, you know, what, where do you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now? What, what do you want your legacy to be? If people remember you, right, they're talking about you at your funeral. What are they talking about? What do you really want to be known for? And we get really clear on that. And then we reverse engineer that process by saying, okay, this is what you want to be known for. And here's where you're at currently in your business. Then here's what it might look like to get there. Whether that's through implementing the right systems or implementing better marketing strategies, say through podcasting, right? So all the, the very tangible pieces of what we do or the specific vehicles, if you will, systems, podcasting, that kind of stuff falls within this, this greater ethos of who are you? What are you here to do? Why? Why does it matter to you? What do you want to be known for? And how equipped are you and prepared are you to navigate the inevitable failures along the way? You know, and if, if you're pretty fragile and you're going to break under pressure, well, let's work on that. And that starts with the mindset. That starts with the psychology. And that's really the backbone. Let's get a little personal now, if we could. Uh, so, you know, in the bio, we mentioned there was a, 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 your bout with cancer very, very young. Uh, how has your personal experience with that helped you understand and empathize clients that you have with their with their struggles? Yeah, for me, that was it was one of the hardest things that I've gone through. I've gone through some difficult things in my life, but it was also a process where I had to grieve the loss of who I thought I was. And prior to that point, I was in corporate world. I was climbing the ladder. I was pretty successful by all the world standards, making good money, had a nice car, all that kind of thing. And in that moment, you know, really about a four month span of treatment recovery, I had to get really quiet. I was forced to, I couldn't do much. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the energy to do much. So I had a lot of time to think. And by suddenly having all the noise in my life cleared out, 
it helped bring things into focus. And I was able to see, wait a second, what I'm doing is not what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. It kind of terrified me a little bit because I was doing pretty well at it too. But I was like, I've got gifts. I've got talents that I've been given. I'm not using them. I feel like there's a, a greater reason that I've been put on this planet and I'm not living out whatever that is. I had no idea what it was, but you know, at the time just felt like this deeper yearning within me that there was something more. And that's what led me to entrepreneurship and eventually through the years to the work that I do today. But I knew when I got the diagnosis that this wasn't the end. This was a beginning for me, but how I approached it was going to make or break what I was able to get out of that experience. And so there were moments where it was tough. I mean, it was not Mm -hmm. easy to be in quarantine in the hospital with your entire body being radioactive, you know, that I I couldn't see anybody being within 12 feet of anybody, right? All of these things, it was kind of strange. But I also knew that the thing that was going to pull me through was really truly in the the choice that I made to approach it with a mindset of how can I grow through this? How, what, what, why is this happening for me? What am I here to notice, to listen for? And it's not to whitewash or Pollyanna, any difficult experience. I've certainly had many of them, but I think when we can look at this through the lens of anti-fragility, if you will, we can look to see that, yeah, these things are happening for a very specific purpose. We might not know why in the moment. In fact, most of the time we won't, but it can help give us just that little bit of hope we need to get through those really dark times. That cancer experience was a really dark time for me, mm-hmm. but holding on to that hope helped pull me through. And now looking back, I see exactly why it happened. I don't know that I would be here. Definitely not where I am in the entrepreneurial world had that not happened. And I hate to think of where else I might be. Are you a believer in Providence? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is that where you were going with that? that yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see in the darkness, isn't it? it and is. then you get past it and then you can look back at the darkness and then all of a sudden it's sort of clear when you're in the light. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I, I'm not sure you would be here either, Courtney, if it wasn't for that. So thank you for sharing that piece. I'm, I'm a, every day I believe in the Providence that comes through hundred yeah. percent. And I tell my children all the time too. They're like, they're believers, but it took a while. And they were like, and I was like, the fingerprints are like in the smallest things, guys. Every single day, God is showing you he exists and he's putting you on this path, whether it's negative or positive, like it's part of the path. So uh, we're running up on the half hour, Courtney. And I have two questions that I'd like to ask everybody else. And uh, the first one is knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time, when you first started your business, what is one piece of advice you give your former self? Oh my gosh, stop overcomplicating things. Oh my goodness. I actually just, and we're in the middle of releasing a three-part series on my podcast right now about this. I call them the three deadly sins of entrepreneurship. Overcomplication is a big one. And I thought, because I was learning from all these mentors who had crossed the eight-figure mark, right? Here's what I did. Here's how Mm -hmm, I had this mm -hmm. seven-figure launch and do this eight-figure business, blah, blah, blah. Here's what you need to do. And I'm like, okay. And I would do that. And then I'm like, inevitably it wouldn't work for me because I wasn't at that level yet because I hadn't learned what I needed to learn to even get to that level yet. And so overcomplication, oh my goodness. If I could just go back and say, Courtney, keep it simple. Focus on what really matters, what drives traffic, what drives sales. Now, how can you move those two levers and increase those things, right? Until you get to a point where you can start layering in some more advanced stuff. Uh, But it's really easy to get distracted by those shiny objects. Why do you, why do you think a lot of, I, there's a plenty of entrepreneurs that do the same thing 
as you. I, I have multiple friends who do this all the time where they say, I want to start my, I mean, hey, Lance, I see what you're doing. I, I see the kind of life it affords you. Um, it's a life of freedom, basically. And they, they want to start their own business, right? And they just, they just never end up doing it. And it drives me insane. Why do you think people overcomplicate it? Like, what is the fundamental issue here? Like, where does the overthinking come from instead of just jumping in and going for it? Yeah, I think it's a lack of trust in their own intuition a lot of times. And again, this goes back to getting so much external input. You know, we, we value people's opinions. And I think on a very deep level, we don't want to fail. And so because of that, those two things combined, we want to take very measured steps towards achieving success. And especially if you're kind of mathematically minded, you know, it's like, well, if I can do X to bring about Y, then that will give me Z, right? And so we, we tend to just latch onto these strategies that, oh, if that worked for someone else, it's complicated funnel, right? That I'm building out or whatever it might be, you know, Facebook ad strategy. I don't care what it is, but we latch onto these things because we think it's going to give us the same success. And then if we don't follow it just so, well, then we're going to fail. And I see this all the time in podcasting too. We teach clients and they're like, but I want to do it right. I'm like, yeah, but you have to learn how to be the host of your show. And that's what we're here to teach you. Yeah. We've got a system to follow. But at the end of the day, you are the host. You have to learn how to trust yourself in making these decisions. And this is true across all of our, our whole entire business. Yeah. So I think when we can get quiet, learn to listen, we can learn to trust a little bit more. And that's going to take you farther than any system or strategy ever will. hundred percent. Courtney, this has been phenomenal. I'm so glad you, re you're, you reached out. I'm so glad you came on the show today. We really want to thank you for your time. If people want to hear more of you and they want more of your time, where can they find it? Like, where can they follow you? Yeah. So look up the Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship Podcast. Anywhere, whatever app you're listening on right now, look it up. You'll find it. Come hang out with me there. And then also, if you are interested in launching a podcast of your own, maybe you've toyed with the idea, but you're like, oh, I don't know, it's going to be time consuming or oh, I don't want to run out of things to talk about, right? Or maybe you have launched a show that you're not getting a thousand downloads per episode yet and you can't figure out how to get there and you're not getting the results out of the show that you anticipated then I'd love to have you join us for one of our workshops coming up. I host these on a regular basis. They're totally free. There is no pitch. I just walk you through the process of what we've done and have helped over four dozen other coaches and consultants do uh, to help them leverage and launch a top 1% podcast. So you can go to antifragileentrepreneurship.co.co forward slash workshop. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Courtney. God bless. I hope you stay cool down there in New Orleans and we will, we will talk to you soon. Thank you, Lance.